0: the To Love, Honor, and Vacuum podcast. I'm Sheila we Gregoire from Vacuum.com, where we like to talk about how to make marriage a passionate adventure and not just a giant to-do list. For the last month, we've been talking about emotional maturity, how to grow in maturity, how to learn to express emotions and all that fun stuff. And one of the themes that was coming up in that is taking responsibility mm-hmm. and, and knowing that you are responsible for yourself and that you can't blame other people for the way that you act. And in the middle of all that headspace, and that's what I was thinking about, I posted some things on Facebook, which I thought were just no-brainers, and that blew up. <laughs> yes. And that made me lose hope for society again. And so I decided we that I needed to have Rebecca on this podcast. So hello, Rebecca. Hello. And we are once again going to go to that terrible, terrible topic. Uh, of, maybe we shouldn't be pedophiles. Maybe we shouldn't be pedophiles. And maybe we should talk about lust, modesty, and stumbling blocks in a, you know... Jesus-centered healthy way. Even
1: remotely healthy and not a legal
0: way. Yes. Amen. So here's what happened. I'm going to tell you the story first, and then we're going to try to demolish this argument. We're going to build a big bonfire. We're going to set fire to it. And hopefully we will see this whole argument burn because we really need to get rid of a lot of this toxicity. So here's what I initially posted on Facebook. Here's how we start changing the evangelical culture about lust. Next time a woman says to you, I can't believe what that 13 year old was wearing in church. My husband had such a hard time worshiping and keeping his eyes off of her. You can reply, wow, I'm so sorry. That's horrifying. I want you to know that it's not normal for men to lust after 13 year old girls. If your husband is doing this, that isn't okay. Do you need help? Let's not treat this like it's normal because it's not okay. And also never ever let your teenage daughter babysit at their house. Red flags are red flags. Let's normalize paying attention to them. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to say, you know, it ain't normal to lust after 13-year-old girls. Nope. We have this horrifying, this horrible
1: line that people tend to use where they almost say, but the 12-year-old was too sexy for me to not lust after her. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry if you think that. That's that's actually pedophilia or a phoebophilia, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. It's not pedophilia if you find her sexy. No, it, it's definitely pedophilia. Like, you see how there's this weird lack of logic. Like, no, 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 no. It's that she looked like she was you know, grown up. And so even though I knew she was 12, 13, 14, it's still not wrong because she looked like she could be 18, even though I'm 57. Yeah, You know, (laughs) it's
0: so gross. When you know she's younger, that is creepy and wrong. And we need to start calling this out in church because instead of calling it out, all kinds of comments in this Facebook post went to, but what was the girl wearing? Yeah. And
1: the vast, vast majority of people were totally on board and saying, uh, yeah, maybe we don't allow pedophilic mindsets mm-hmm. in the church because mm-hmm. a pedophilic mindset is again, anything
0: that allows an underage child mm-hmm. to become a sex object. Yeah. And most guys, most men do not see 12 and 13 year olds as Sex objects. No,
1: they're not. There's a good
0: story we even have that we
1: wanted to share here. So we were on a cruise one year when I was like 16 and Katie was just about to turn 14. Hello, listeners of the To Love, Honor, and Vacuum podcast. Said Katie from the story here, as well as the editor of this podcast. And for the sake of clarity and being as accurate as possible, I need to correct my mother and my sister because the story they are about to share actually happened two weeks after my 15th birthday. It was in August of 2012. Rebecca was 17 and a half and I was 15. And I just want to make sure that's clear, just for the sake of accuracy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And she's editing the podcast. So she knows we're saying this. Yes. Hello, Katie. Um, but she's always been really, really pretty. You know, she's always looked older too, right? Mm-hmm. And so there are these group of like maybe early twenties guys. I don't know mm-hmm. if they were like some frat brothers or just actual brothers. We're not really sure, but they were totally checking Katie out. Yeah, on this cruise, like yeah. totally. Like we were hanging out reading by the pool. We'd be you know going all dressed up to the dinners and stuff, and without fail, these guys would check Katie out at least once. And yeah. then I
0: remember in the breakfast buffet line, one of them came up to Katie and said, you looked really good in your dress last night at the formal night. And Katie's like, thank you. I do. Like, it was <laughs> walked away. weird. It was so so weird.
1: This went on for a couple of days until they saw Katie talk to mom. And she said, mommy, can I go to get my bag for the excursion or whatever? But yeah. she said, mommy. And they all went like this. They just went blank faces, looked at mom Looked at Katie. did You could see them doing the mental math, and they just turned white, and they did not make eye contact with anyone in our family ever again.
0: (laughs) They were just like, "No." They noped out of there so fast. Yeah, they were mortified, and that, yeah, you know what is healthy? Not that it's healthy to check out girls (laughs) girls. or ogles. But,
1: but we had a good laugh about it because we didn't feel like we were in danger with those no. guys. And,
0: but as soon as they realized how old she was, they stopped. Exactly. And now in church, I would prefer that we not do the ogling at all. Exactly. But at least, even if we're going to ogle, at least get to the point where once you realize how old they are, you stop. Exactly. Because that's the thing. It's not
1: pedophilic or ephebophilic to find an underage child attractive before you know she's an underage child. Yes. Or even to objectively notice that a young girl is attractive, right? It's mm-hmm. not wrong. You to look at a young girl who you've known for a very long time who's now like 14 and think oh wow she's turning into such a lovely young lady mm-hmm. it's not even wrong to notice that a girl is starting to develop a woman's figure mm-hmm. it's not that's just what your eyes are taking in that is just visual stimuli mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. The, the same way that I can't help but notice that our curtains in this room are white mm-hmm. or that the walls are green you can't help but notice sometimes that a girl's got breasts yes you know or that mm-hmm. she's got hips now yeah. Yeah. that's yes. just visual stimuli When it becomes a problem, is when you know they're a child, Mm -hmm. you know their age, Mm -hmm. you know that they are a vulnerable population who is, again, child. (laughs) And I want to emphasize the child. 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 You know, they probably still sleep with stuffed animals. Yeah. And you have a hard time not sexually objectifying them or sexually fantasizing about them or thinking about their breasts or thinking about their body Mm -hmm. or thinking about them in a sexual way that's where it crosses from just brief visual stimuli or realizing oh wow they're looking really beautiful or like wow you know they're turning Mm -hmm. they even think something wow they're getting hot Mm -hmm. and be like okay no Mm -hmm. like because that's it's it's the the immediate kind of like animal animalistic part of our brain
0: like like we are wired to be attracted to people yeah okay so so you know as a woman you're watching ryan reynolds or whatever yeah and you're like oh he's hot yeah and you notice he's hot you're attracted but that doesn't mean that you're lusting if that's as far as it goes yeah if if it's Mm -hmm. if it's literally a factual statement of, yes.
1: wow, that man is incredibly
0: attractive. And he's Canadian.
1: And he's Canadian. But and then you move on. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you do that, that's mm-hmm. very different than then thinking, hmm, I wonder what it looks like under blank. Yeah. right? Or, Any time... or
0: I wish my husband looked exactly. like... Exactly.
1: Yes. Right? There are things where the minute it's not a factual statement, you're getting into kind of dangerous Lust. territory, yeah. right? Yeah. That's where I think we don't give... Men enough of a leeway with this kind of, because it's not even leeway. It's just like you're not sinning for having eyes and realizing that a thirteen year old's attractive. What's wrong is if you know she's thirteen mm-hmm. and she still is seen as a sexual being in your eyes.
0: Yes, and that is what is happening. Is we have these church cultures which still see these girls as sexual because the comments on my original Facebook post. So many of them said, "Well, yeah, guys are responsible for not lusting, but." We also need to teach girls how to dress appropriately so they're not a stumbling block. Yeah, and they
1: say, oh, I totally agree with you, Sheila. Like, it's totally men's fault. But also, girls need to not dress like little seductresses.
0: Yeah, and and so I wrote a follow-up to this. We're going to get to our argument in a minute about that. But here's the follow-up that I wrote after all of these comments came in. I said... When I hear a woman say, men can't help but lust, or that girl needs to cover up because the men in church will lust, I have to admit that I make assumptions about her husband. I mean this in the most compassionate way possible, because I'm honestly worried about so many women. You see, we can't believe that all men lust if the men that we know the closest do not. Women who are in marriages to good men who do not struggle with lusting after teenagers would never say that girl needs to cover up to stop being a temptation. My husband is a good man. My sons-in-law are good men. Most of the men I know would want to protect a 13-year-old girl who is dressed a little scandalously, not want to lust after her. And yet, when I posted about a scenario where an adult male had trouble lusting after a 13-year-old in church, many women jumped straight to blaming the girl for what she was wearing. Please hear me on this, dear women. If you are in a community where men lusting after 13-year-olds is normal and where you believe that men can't help it, this isn't safe. Good men do exist. If the men you know have told you your whole life that men can't help it, that all men are visual and automatically lust, and so women must never be a stumbling block, well, those men have done so because this way they get away with lusting. And many, many churches have propagated this and have repeated it to women over and over that all men lust. They would rather put the blame for men's sin on women and what are women to believe? We're not men. So if all the men around us say men can't help it, we will be inclined to believe it. And most of our evangelical books have said it too, but it isn't true. All men don't lust. Lust is not inevitable. Lust is not every man's battle. If a man knows a girl is 13, it is actually quite easy for most men not to lust after her. I know it's easier and safer to blame the 13 year old than to admit that your husband and your church may have a problem. But please try to ask, where is Jesus in this? What would Jesus be saying? If you're in a marriage where men's lust is being excused, please seek some help. Read my blog. Look for our book, The Great Sex Rescue, that's coming out. And just please know that Jesus values and loves you. He values and loves 13-year-old girls. He would never, ever excuse anyone lusting after a child. And if the men around you do excuse it or try to blame that child, that is a red flag that you are not in a safe, spirit-filled community. Mm -hmm. And a lot of our churches are not safe because of the way we approach this topic. Yeah. Because when you say... Men are 100% responsible for not lusting, but girls need to watch what they wear so they're not a stumbling block. You're giving your kids mixed messages. Like if you have a daughter and you're trying to teach her to have autonomy,
1: but also to dress appropriately and you do it this way where you say, it's never your fault. Like if anyone were to ever mistreat you sexually, if anyone were to ever assault you, that is 100% on them. But you also need to understand that your body is really tempting for men. And that men can't help but lust. And a lot of men are going to really struggle to not lust if you, you know, show, t- if you aren't modest, if you show too much cleavage, if you s- wear skin tight clothes, but it's totally not your fault mm-hmm. if it happens. But like also probably you didn't cover up enough because if you had covered up enough, then maybe when the lust. but it's not your fault, not your fault, like it's not your fault, but it's not your fault. Like, you know, not not really your fault, but kind of your fault. So it's not your fault, but next time maybe you wear a sweatshirt, but then even if you wear a sweatshirt, it might happen. So it's not your fault, but it's definitely, definitely not your fault if you wear a sweatshirt. Whereas if you're in a tank top, it might be a little bit your fault, but like it's not your fault. It's always men's fault if they lust. But it's like both your fault if you incite the lust, but like you can't (laughs) incite lust because that's a heart issue. And lust is a heart issue, sweetie. And you need to know that that is their problem that you caused, but you didn't cause it.
0: Okay? (laughs) And this is what we're telling kids. is We're telling kids it's not your fault, but it is your fault.
1: Exactly. And so then what happens when your 16-year-old is on a date with their boyfriend who they love very, very much Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and they go too far and the boyfriend at the end of it feels super guilty and she feels super guilty and, and and he actually has assaulted her. Yeah. Right? Like what happens if she feels pressured and she said no and he kept going? And then later she's working through these emotions and your messages have come up in her head where it's totally on his shoulders, but also she may have incited that lust. What happens if she's thinking about the fact that she wore that skirt that maybe she shouldn't have worn because like it was a little bit shorter than she'd normally mm-hmm. wear, but she just really liked feeling so grown up and flirty and pretty. And so, you know, she knows in her head that maybe it's, it's his fault and she said no and she didn't want it, but he did it anyway, but also she was wearing that skirt and yeah. maybe... If she hadn't incited his lust, he wouldn't have done it. And so it is partially on her shoulders in her head.
0: Yeah. And that's what we're doing is we are causing girls to think that it's their fault. And not just that, we're causing girls to think that their bodies are somehow bad or dangerous because we start giving girls this message like as soon as they hit puberty and sometimes even younger, Yeah. but especially like right at puberty, that's when the barrage of, of these messages come. Yeah. It's you were innocent. Yeah. You were an innocent being. Mm -hmm. You were fine. But now you need to be careful because you might be inciting. Parts of you are no longer acceptable. Yes. Because now you've got boobs. Yeah. And, you know, when I asked on Facebook in another update, I said, if you were ever given unwanted sexual attention in church, what were you wearing? When you were a child, yeah. When you were a child. and you know, the answers were just so heartbreaking but first of all how many women had had this happen to them as teenagers had had adult and men how it was often like we're talking adult yes. men not they were
1: 17 and the 21 year old drummer was kind no, of flirting with them we're talking like they were 12 in
0: church choir and, and it, it was
1: the 57 year old pinching their bum yeah
0: or people who would hug a little too long as soon as they started developing breasts adult men who would touch their shoulders and stare at them like just really really super creepy stuff and so you picture these little girls who are just starting to develop nobody likes hitting puberty it's so awkward you know and often if you develop early you're tall like all the boys are eye level to your boobs and like you've got boobs and so many women said they started to slouch right then i slouched but not for that reason but you know <laughs> you know, it's just a very awkward time and then you're told that you might be constant, guys, to us just because adult men to less just because of your body. Like it makes, it gives women major body image issues it and really major does. shame that is never theirs to bear and that mm-hmm. should never be theirs to bear.
1: Yeah. A 12 year old's body is a child's body. Mm-hmm. And if you are finding yourself attracted to a point that you can't resist sexualizing a child's body, mm-hmm. you need therapeutic help.
0: Yep. Because they are children. You don't need her to cover up. You need therapeutic help. Yeah. Because men who are attracted to children, when they know they're children, and a 12-year-old, a 13-year-old, a 14-year-old is still a child, when you are attracted to them, now technically that's not pedophilia, technically that's eph- yeah. Um, which is the sexual attraction and to And attracted pubescence.
1: to them is not the same as thinking, wow, they're attractive, again.
0: Yes. Yes. But if that's where you're at, it's probably because you have major power and control issues because you've got this little innocent person. Yep. Or there's major sexual brokenness in your own life. But Mm -hmm. either
1: way, this is a
0: therapist's issue, Mm -hmm. not a camisole issue. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) this is not her fault and yet it's in church the girls get this message the Mm -hmm. most and that's what needs to stop yeah a church is not a healthy place if a 12 year old or 13 year old girl is going to get blamed for how adult men treat her it's totally not a safe place because that's the thing like in the quote-unquote real world
1: right Mm -hmm. in the real world like in the non-christian world like the expectation is that you will not lust after a 13 year old mm-hmm. it's like the boys on the cruise ship they were horrified yeah they were horrified when they realized katie was 13 and that's why it mm-hmm. it, it was just kind of funny that's why it was funny that's why it was yeah. funny because they weren't pedophiles
0: no and they, they weren't really a danger
1: and they weren't no because the minute they found out we were children they were like we like they saw us coming and they booked it the other direction yeah. they were so yeah. uncomfortable
0: but what does the church do instead the church says, we need to make sure that these girls dress appropriately so they don't cause adult men to lust.
1: And what I'm concerned about is that there are, I, I do wonder if there are a lot of men out there who were at kind of like in their sexual development or at a crossroads where they can choose to have healthy sexuality or they can go down another route mm-hmm. and they're just not sure how to be a respectful sexually healthy person and mm-hmm. they end up in a church that has the every man's battle philosophy where the only way you can avoid lust mm-hmm. is not really seeing attractive women yeah is not looking at attractive women is mm-hmm. never being around attractive women because you have to bounce your eyes anytime you see an attractive woman and what happens is they end up in these churches which tells them if you find a 12 year old sexy it's probably because they dressed sexy yeah.
0: yeah not
1: because you have a problem yeah you know, yeah. If you're having a hard time not sexually fantasizing to the side of a 13-year-old, mm-hmm. she needs to cover up because she's the problem. They end up in these churches. And I just wonder how many pedophiles we've created
0: in church mm-hmm. because of this kind of message. Because it's been acceptable. Yeah. And that's the, that's the issue that we kept coming across on Facebook is that we would say, hey guys, don't lust after 13-year-olds. And then in the comments, people would say, yes, but what was she wearing? Yeah. And that like means she was stop. wearing a 13-year-old's body. Because that's it, enough to say don't lust after her. Yeah, because you know what? I agree that it is an important discussion to have with our daughters. And I had it with you guys about how to dress appropriately. You yeah. know, what is the message that you want to send with your clothing? Because clothing does send a message. Yeah. So, so what are you trying to say? What are other people going to think? Like how, how are you dressing in a way that, that honors yourself, others, God, etc.? Okay. That's a completely good conversation to have, but that conversation must be divorced from the lust conversation. And I would
1: almost go as far as if you even had the your body can incite people to lust conversation, you don't have the modesty conversation
0: until you're done deconstructing this. Yes, yes. Because if you were saying that it's a 100% on men if men lust, but... 13-year-olds need to watch what they wear, then you don't mean that it's 100% on men. Because as soon as you say, but, or even if it's, and, and, you know, also, uh, also, because all sorts of tricky conjunctions
1: you can use.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's what a lot of people are doing in the comment section is they were saying, yes, lust is 100% on men. And we have to talk about what girls wear. These are both important conversations. It's like, you're right. They are both important conversations, but they must never happen at the same time (laughs) because they aren't related. Okay, if a guy it's entirely on him, yeah. it is not on her. And, and now when
1: we say that, we also had one man particularly come on and say, but what about my 14-year-old son? He's the one who matters, not mm-hmm. the girls who are dressing like little harlots. That's yes. not exactly what he said, but that was in essence... Yeah,
0: he said, he said all, you're just making a straw man argument. That doesn't really happen. What's really is important to talk about is how to protect my 14-year-old boy. Yeah,
1: and, and first of all, I will say, as a mother of a son, you do not need to protect your son from girls. <laughs> Girls are not a threat to your son. If anything, statistically speaking, your son is a threat to girls. And he needs to know that. No, seriously. Yeah. That is something boys need to know. Statistically speaking, girls are sexually assaulted by men. And boys are tend to be sexually assaulted by men. Mm-hmm. Right? Men tend to be the people who are going to sexually abuse. Yeah. Not always. There's a lot of female sexual abusers out there too. Yeah. There's a lot. Mm-hmm. But when we get into this mindset that women are a danger because you find them attractive. Yes. That's how we breed rapists. Yes. And I know that sounds really, really
0: harsh. I know that sounds harsh. But when the church's approach to women matches the way rapists see women, maybe there's something wrong. Yeah, Because
1: what can happen is you can raise that innocent, lovely, wonderful boy to have an entitlement around sex. And to see women as someone who caused him emotional discomfort, which validates predatory thinking towards them yeah that's what we're telling our boys when we say that when we say the 13 year old and her insecurity and her feeling unsafe and her wanting to just look pretty and enjoy being herself is a threat to my son because if my son sees the littlest bit of cleavage or if my son sees too much legs he's not going to be able to help himself around her Mm
0: -hmm. you are enabling rape thinking in your son's mind you are but even scale that back a bit yeah you're certainly creating inadvertently creating a lust issue in your sons there was a an article that was shared on facebook a couple years ago and i ended up writing a post about this where a woman was really really proud because she had been sitting in church with her husband and teenage sons and there were several girls in front of them in the in the pew that were wearing yoga pants and so the woman escorted her family in front of the girls so that the, the boys the, didn't have to look at butts. At butts all through the service and that they would be able to worship in. so She was so proud of this and how she was protecting her sons. What was the message though that she was giving to her sons? Yeah. What she was saying to her sons is that If you see yoga pants, they will be a distraction to you and you will not be able to stop from lusting. Well, not
1: only that, I expect you to be so distracted by the sight of girls' bodies that you are not able
0: to control yourself unless you are separated from them. Now, 14-year-old boys, yoga pants... Probably going to have some sexual thoughts, yep. you know. Fourteen year old boys and squirrels. Fourteen year old boys and cartons of milk. Like fourteen year old <laughs> boys have sexual thoughts about nothing. <laughs> okay, like it takes very little for a fourteen year old boy to have sexual thoughts. Carton of milk,
1: breastfeeding <laughs> boobs. <goose. laughs> there I can get there. In four. Like, it, like that's that's how. Yeah. No. In all but, in all seriousness, I I do know also that a lot of a lot of teenage boys do feel a lot of shame about unwanted sexual thoughts. But what if instead of teaching your boys that they're constantly at risk of lusting and objectifying women you teach them you know what got a lot of hormones going on you're gonna have you're gonna think about sex you're gonna have sexual thoughts and when that happens just tell your boys to say okay I guess this is just a sign of me growing up it's uncomfortable but this will pass because my hormones are going to settle out and I'm just gonna move on with my day yeah. You know, we tell them it's not a big deal. Because I think when we talk about lust in this way, we also inflate the problem so much. Like, mm-hmm. your boys, hey, girls too, girls get intrusive sexual thoughts during puberty as well. We all have major hormones running through us, right? But if we tell, especially our teenage boys, that they always need to be on the lookout to make sure they're not lusting. They always need to make sure that they don't look at attractive girls because they're always one second away from becoming a sexual mm-hmm. ravenous being that won't be able to stop. And like, if we tell them all these things where the sight of a nice butt is going to actually make it so that you cannot help but sexually lust. Mm -hmm. We're making it a bigger problem than it is if instead we just say, hey, you know what? Congrats! You got a sex drive. That's what happens, okay? Like, you're going to learn
0: how to manage this, but you're not going to learn how to manage it if you never actually have to learn how to manage it. Yeah, if it's all up to the girl to manage it. And here's the thing. What I hear a lot of parents of teenage boys saying on Facebook was, But do the girls even realize how distracting it is for them to wear that and how hard it is for my sons not to worship? Okay, if women dressed in burkas in church, so all the women in church came in burkas or Mm -hmm. potato sacks or whatever you want to say, women in the rest of society aren't going to. Women in this high school class aren't going to. The answer to guys having trouble with lust cannot be about girls changing what they wear because that's just not going to happen in the wider society. Yeah. And so the answer needs to be that we teach boys how to respect girls and how to treat them well regardless of what they are wearing. How to
1: function around attractive girls. Mm-hmm. You know like and, and I can tell you I actually do have people in my life who I dress differently around mm-hmm. because they are not respectful. Yeah. There are some people who if I know I'm going to see them, I'm not going to be able to wear certain clothes. And that is wrong.
0: Yeah. Because they creep you out. Because they
1: creep me out. Because they're yeah. not safe people. And yeah. we'll talk about that next. You yeah. know, but for the ma- vast majority of our friends, especially like our guy friends who would mm-hmm. just come and stay at our house all the time we still lived in Ottawa, who would hang out with Connor. Mm-hmm. I feel so safe around them because they're such good guys. Yeah. You know, the majority of men out there, even if they do have an unwanted sexual thought, They're not going to suddenly not be able to respect you or be a Mm -hmm. safe person for your daughter or for you or for women in general. They're just going to think, okay, not for me and move on. And if we just teach boys to think not
0: for me and Mm -hmm. move on instead of how dare she, how dare she do that to me. And that was the message that we were hearing from all of these women. How dare this girl do that? That is not a safe culture, a safe church culture. And you know... We have been in churches where women are respected, where it is expected that men will treat women with dignity and honor, where it is expected that men and women can have normal conversations without lusting after each other, like where it's expected that women should be able to feel safe. We've been in those churches. We've also been in churches which are seriously creepy Mm -hmm. and where lust is blamed on girls and we got out of those churches. (laughs) And so if you are in a church where it is creepy and where people are saying how dare you yeah <laughs> to the women and girls in your church just know that there are safer churches out there
1: Yep, yeah. and those churches are safer for your boys too yes that's the thing it's not only safer for girls it is not safe for boys to be raised in an environment where they are told your sexual urges are not under your control mm-hmm. where they are told your sexuality is your biggest threat yeah they told this part of you that you've been created
0: with Mm-hmm. that is the
1: worst thing about you and it is completely out of your control and the only way that you can control it is by controlling women Yeah, that is such a harmful message because it causes so much shame in young men as well mm-hmm. around their sexuality, it's how we get a lot of these really really horrible hidden porn use, it's how we get date rape, it's how we get these kinds of things, it's, we cause so much entitlement and shame in boys about their sexuality because mm-hmm. of this message everyone thinks the modesty message protects boys, it really doesn't, the boys that I have known who are now who will the men the men who I have known who did not grow up with this are infinitely healthier when it comes to women and their bodies than the men who did grow up with this message yeah and I've seen that over and over and over again and I've heard it from so many other people to the extent that I have multiple friends who refused to date a guy who became a Christian before he was 17.
0: Yeah. Because in some evangelical churches, the message about lust is so toxic that those guys are almost guaranteed to have porn issues. They're almost guaranteed to blame women for their sin and to not take responsibility for their own thoughts. Yeah. And like
1: I grew up in this family, like we're really, we're, we're pretty healthy with most of the stuff. Like we talked about stuff, but like Connor wasn't a Christian until he was an adult. And he
0: helped me even not, I didn't even realize how much shame I had about my Yeah, body. because when, when you were going through puberty, we were at an unhealthy church. We totally we were. We were at a toxic church. We
1: totally were. And then like, you know, my, my friend groups growing up were quite conservative and, you know, much mm-hmm. more fundamentalist with this kind of thing. Yeah. And our conversations when we were dating were just eye-opening. Yeah. Because
0: Connor grew up in the secular world where he was taught, it is your job to respect women.
1: Yeah. Well, even just the fact that I could wear like a bodycon dress and not have to always wear a giant oversized sweater over top Mm -hmm. and he wasn't going to struggle to not respect my boundaries.
0: Yeah. And this is something that I do want to explore just a little bit more because women and girls are often told in churches that there are certain items of clothing that you cannot Mm -hmm. wear because guys eyes will automatically go there now i wrote a post a while ago about modesty where i talked about thinking about bell curves yeah you know in any bell curve there's very very few people in either extremes and the vast majority of people are right here in the middle exactly and so i said you know when i'm trying to figure out what's appropriate to wear i tend to think of what's the middle you know in terms of modesty i'll go a little bit to the left and that's pretty good yeah (laughs) that's that's pretty much what i do you don't want to be in either extreme but when an item of clothing. Has become the middle, then it can no longer be an issue. So for instance, when I was, I'm gonna get Katie to put a picture here for those of you who are watching on YouTube. But when I was 19, 20, 21, I wore what would now be considered mom jeans. Not even mom jeans, baggy mom jeans. Baggy mom jeans, like with the, you know, the waist that was really, really tight and it came into the waist, but then it like poof from there almost like a parachute <laughs> it was also the era of parachute pants I will yes. say, and everything was very poofy and nothing was skin tight and if you had told me back in 1990 that I would be wearing jeans that were very form-fitting I wouldn't have believed you mm-hmm. because to wear form-fitting jeans back then would have been scandalous Yes. And it took me a while when it became normal to wear, you know, your more form-fitting jeans to even be comfortable in them because that's just not what I grew up in. Yeah. But now I wear them all the time because you know what? It's totally normal. Everybody does. Totally normal. And so if people start saying you can't wear form-fitting jeans, well, if everybody is wearing them, then you need to be able to function in that world. Mm -hmm. Like that's no longer the issue. And people will say, oh, well, just because everyone's wearing them doesn't mean that you should. We're actually going to come to that in a minute. Yeah, that argument. But the simple fact is, if everyone is wearing something, that it the power of it is taken away. Yeah, and obviously, what we
1: consider everyone needs to be talked about here. There are some cultures, not cultures, like not cultures in like country cultures. I mean, like in essence, TikTok subcultures, like like social media cultures, Instagram cultures, where like wearing thong bathing suits are perfectly normal. In the grand scheme of people, that's still not normal. No. Okay? Like, in this very small subgroup of people who just fly all over the place to swim in the ocean in Greece every year, wearing a thong as a bathing suit is normal. Currently, in today's culture... Still not... You're not going to go to your average beach and see mm-hmm. 50% of people in a thong. We hope not. Yeah. That would be scary. Yeah. Yeah. So what we're not saying like what you see on social media necessarily. What we're saying is like when you go to the grocery store, when you go to your yeah. workplace, when you yeah. go to just the general public. Yeah. Right? Because we do live in, in an Instagram yeah. world right now where like pretty much everyone is honestly dressing like mm-hmm. a Playboy.
0: Yeah. Um, and then, that's not like, what we but talking about. We're no. talking about when someone is wearing what... of the population wears, then we need to stop being upset about that item of clothing. Exactly. And we need to stop talking about that. So another example... When camisoles came in, you know that look where you do the, the camisole over the bra and then you have a, a, a lower V? Yeah, with like the lace and everything. Yeah. When that came in, I, there was no way I could wear that because I grew up in the era where no one ever saw your underwear and a camisole <laughs> was considered underwear. But then it just, it became the business look. Yeah. Like it was actually very business appropriate attire. And so, yeah, I started wearing it. Yeah. <laughs> or even think about like subgroups as well. Like there's like
1: rock climbing gyms and a lot of athletic places. Girls mm-hmm. go in high-waisted leggings and a sports bra. Yeah. That's normal. That is going to be 80% of the girls there. Yeah. And so if you can't handle that. Right. That's on you. And so the other guys there are able to handle it and they're not losing their grip because they've got you know, major distraction.
0: They're yeah, and doing so, the wall. And so this is what we need to understand when we're talking about our teenage boys, is that if we're complaining about what girls are wearing in church and we're setting up this dress code for church, which is like little house on the prairie so the boys won't lust, but then boys are going to school and seeing all this other stuff... We're not doing boys a favor. No. Like at some point, if everybody is wearing something, then that should lose its power. And yep. you know what? You are not going to get the culture to stop wearing that. So let's stop harping on women's clothing and start putting the responsibility back on men.
1: And it's not about blaming. And again, putting the responsibility on men makes people mad because they think, what about my poor teenage boy who doesn't want to have these thoughts? Putting the responsibility also means empowering your sons to know that their sexuality is not wrong. Yeah. It also means letting them know, you know what? You're going to get some boners you don't want to get that's just going to happen. Doesn't Mm -hmm. mean you're a terrible person. Doesn't mean you're gross. Doesn't mean you're creepy. Doesn't mean anything. You're just going to get them sometimes. Move on. Mm -hmm. It's okay. You're not a terrible person for being sexually attracted to pretty much everything with a heartbeat right now. Yes.
0: Yes, exactly. All right. We've done a quick wardrobe change because we couldn't finish filming yesterday. And then the baby threw sweet potatoes at you. Yep. So here we are. And yes, this is my comfy sweater that I did knit. So there you go. But we have one more point before we want to move on to reader questions. One more last thing to say about this. When we talk about the modesty message, what we're really saying is, is she a danger to the men and the boys around? Exactly. And and we've already said that's not a valid question. But there is a valid question about danger, and it goes in the opposite direction, is Are men and boys a danger to the girl? Yes. And that is something that we do need to talk about. And that's something that a lot of people brought up in the comments is, Sheila, I know what you're saying, but this is also a really depressing, dark world. And we do need to be honest about the danger that is posed to girls. And I agree. Absolutely. And so I just want to say this really quickly. There's a certain number of predators in the world. Yeah. Okay. They're just out there and there's nothing we can do about it. They're just there. And they are looking for people to use and I'm going to vastly overgeneralize here. Okay. So I I know that this isn't straightforward, so please forgive me if you're in law enforcement, but I I would say that there are opportunists who are predators when the opportunity arises. Mm -hmm. And then there are your hunters who are deliberately looking for people to victimize. The thing about opportunists is when they're in a large group, what they're going to be focused on is who can I possibly get in a compromising situation? Who
1: will have sex with me for the least amount of work on my Exactly.
0: Heart. And and then these are the kinds of people where if you do start to make out, they're going to push your boundaries and they might assault it's you.
1: It's the lion going after the sick gazelle.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, so who is it? And when you're in a large group of people, one of the ways that that person can be identified is by clothing and of course also by the way they're acting. We're not saying that clothing makes some One abuse you. We're just saying that it can be a way that people target you. Yeah,
1: and we're not saying that like the clothing that you wear means that you are "quote unquote" asking for. Because that's not what girls are told. That's not it. It's just that there are people who are opportunistic. The same way that if you're in a mall with your child and someone snatches your child
0: in a shopping center, it's not your fault for going to a shopping center. Right. But that's why we hold on to our children's hands in shopping centers. (laughs) So. Let me just tell you a story, which I think sums this up. Many years ago, I was one of the parent volunteers on a junior high church trip to Canada's Wonderland. And I had four little junior high girls in my little cohort. One of them had just turned 14. And we were at this roller coaster. Three wanted to go on and one did not. So I stayed behind with the one who did not. And among these three was one girl who, when she was in the line in the roller coaster, took off her top to reveal a string bikini top underneath. Mm -hmm. No other girl in this huge line, which took an hour to get through, was wearing a bikini top, okay? okay? So she's the only one in this bikini top, and I'm watching in horror as she moves through the line, and guy after guy after guy is targeting her, and she's getting her phone out, and she's flirting, and she's getting their number. And these are not 14 year olds. These are not 14 year olds. These are like, you know, early 20s, late teens, whatever. And when she got off the roller coaster ride, I had a talk with her. Now, <laughs> if she had been assaulted, this isn't her fault. It's just, why did the guys? target her, it's because she was the only one wearing a bikini top. And so that is giving the message that, hey, I want you to look at my body.
1: Yeah, and it honestly at Canada's Wonderland there's a water park half Mm -hmm. and a roller coasters half. And if she had done the same thing in the water park half, it actually may not have had the same
0: No, because yeah, 500 meters away, everybody would have been in bikini tops. (laughs) So again, you just got to remember that bell curve. And we want to teach our daughters not to be on the end. I'm not saying your daughters can't stand out. Like maybe your daughter's a really flashy dresser. Maybe she's just has a lot of style. That's great. But you don't want your daughters to be showing the most amount of skin of anybody in their group. (laughs) And again, does not mean that if you are targeted, it was your fault, but I think this is just something that's wise to teach our daughters in the same way that when you have university age girls, you teach them, do not ever let go of your drink. Yes. Do not ever let anyone get you a drink because this is just a dangerous world. Yep.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And and again, if you're going to talk to your daughters about the dangers in the world, you cannot also give them the lust message. Mm-hmm. Because the minute you combine it with the lust message, it does become her fault. Yes. Right? Because when you see the world, not as women can incite lust in men, but mm-hmm. rather there are men out there who are predatory and who are evil and who will be looking for a victim. And here is how you can make sure that you can do whatever you can to help it not be you, frankly. But the minute you say that in an environment where your daughter has also heard, but your body alone Mm -hmm. might incite lust in men. And so how can you know if he was a predator or if it was really your fault for wearing the bikini top, right? Mm -hmm. Like, can you see how a minute you ever have the lust message There, It makes it so murky Mm -hmm. that I don't even think you can give the some men are predatory message in the same way if Mm -hmm. your child has ever heard the lust message. Like you need to first deconstruct and get that completely out of her mind before Mm -hmm. you ever actually talk about just pure evil and predatory behavior. Because the minute your daughter gets the lust message it's no longer just an issue of harmful, dangerous people mm-hmm. versus victims. Mm-hmm. It becomes a, but sometimes the victims are the dangerous ones. So how can you ever know if they're a predator or if it was your fault? Mm-hmm. And that's why we get victim blaming out of this. Yeah, And that's why you just simply, I don't think that it's possible to have that safety conversation. If you've ever introduced the lust message to your daughters, I don't think there's a way to do it where it doesn't tell your daughters a mixed message that it really is their fault.
0: Yeah. And of course, even if you, you were always exactly in the middle, you can still be assaulted. So we're not saying that you can't be assaulted. We're just saying, let's equip our daughters as much as we can to not be targeted, knowing that we can never get the risk down to zero exactly (laughs) okay one more thing about about assault we talked about the opportunists but there's also the hunters and the hunters are the ones who are deliberately looking for people to assault and often the ones that the hunters target are the ones who are the most insecure Mm -hmm. the ones who won't speak up the ones who are awfully naive the ones who are marginalized and those often become our victims, especially in church situations. Because yeah. remember that abusers are attracted to church situations because there's so many kids there and they tend to be trusting environments. They're so naive a lot of the time. Yeah. So if you are raising your daughters with the lust message that there is something dangerous about her body, that she has to cover up, you're going to be raising her largely often to feel insecure and ashamed and to be very naive. Yep. And then when these predators come, she's going to feel like she did something wrong and she's less likely to tell you so ironically by giving her this lust message you might actually be be making her more vulnerable to predators so the end result is if you do not want your girls to be targeted teach them to be confident Teach them that this is an okay thing to talk to you about, that these things are not their fault. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the more confident that they feel, the more assured they feel about their identity, in your family, in Christ, all of those things, then the less likely it is that they'll be targeted.
1: Yeah. Keep the conversation on predators and how to stay safe, Mm -hmm. not on how to make sure that you don't harm the very, very good and honorable men in your church who can't handle seeing a 12 year old who has the least little bit of curves.
0: Exactly, okay. So there's the stumbling block message. We now have some research that we want to share with you. So in our What Does Our Research Say segment, Rebecca, you've got an article.
1: Yeah. So there's a meta-analysis that's come out about the neuronal components of sexual arousal analyzed from a gender differences standpoint. <laughs> so what that means... Do you, do you
0: want to explain that? <laughs> yeah. So
1: what that means is, a meta, first of all, a meta-analysis is a study that takes pretty much all the other studies in a field and analyzes them. Because it's really hard when you're doing research to get a big group of participants, so Mm -hmm. most, especially in neuroscience, most studies are less than 100 people.
0: Yeah, because neuroscience, you're putting people into MRI machines, and it's quite a big thing. And it's
1: expensive, you have to have a big budget, so often you're seeing studies with like 17, 28 people where we're making these really big claims, Mm -hmm. Um, and so what a meta-analysis does is they take all of that information, and so in essence, they get a participant pool of, this one I think had 1,850. So 1,850
0: people because they took all these different studies. I think 60 studies or something. 61, I believe it was.
1: So they take all this information from all of these people in all of these studies and they can put it through rigorous statistical analysis to figure out, okay... Are the differences that we have found in our studies of 16 people, of 28 people, of 48 people, are they actual real differences or was it just because we didn't have enough people to know this wasn't Mm -hmm. by chance?
0: And so what they were looking at are all of these studies which said, are men and women visually stimulated? Because the, the common knowledge is that men are visually stimulated and women are not. Yes. And so what this study did was it said, is that true? Exactly. So they were looking at not only
1: women and men, are they visually stimulated, but also are they visually stimulated in the same way? Mm -hmm. How does the brain respond? Do men and women's brains respond differently to sexually erotic stimuli? Mm -hmm. And what they found was this. Neurocircuitries, how the brain responds, associated with sexual arousal do not differ in men and women independent of sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. Like, they looked at everything. Yeah. They looked <laughs> at, all right, what about men attracted to men and women? What about women attracted to women and men? What about men attracted to men? What about men attracted to, men? What men attracted to women? What Like, no yeah. matter which way you put it, no yeah. matter what gender, no matter what orientation, no matter what, the yeah. same stuff happens. Yeah. Which means, when we talk about visual stimuli mm-hmm. and visual stimulation, mm-hmm. we talk about attraction, sexual attraction. When women experience it, when they look at a hot man... Mm -hmm. they find really attractive, the exact same parts of the brain light up. The exact same. They can't find any differences. Yeah. The only predictive power that gender had was around 1%. Right. And it was not statistically significant. Yeah. Which means it could have been completely by accident. And mm-hmm. what the, what they're saying is the only thing that changed how someone's brain responded mm-hmm. was the subjective report of how explicit the stimuli was. Okay. So was it just a still photo of a woman in a bikini or was it actual hardcore pornography?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Which kind of no duh.
0: Yeah. Right? Like we all, <laughs> we
1: all get that. So what this means is all these people who have been telling women, you can
0: never understand what men go through. Mm -hmm. are lying. Yeah, and I think what happens is men and women both are visually stimulated but girls are taught from the time they're young you are not visually stimulated yes and boys are taught from the time they're young you are visually stimulated you're going to lust this is going to be a problem for you and girls are taught if you think about sex you're bad yeah
1: and the thing is it might be that we have simply conditioned men to find more things sexy yeah that's Mm -hmm. what that's what this seems to say where it says men may respond more not because they're men but because they just find more things sexy but when women find something sexy it responds respond the exact same way right and so if women are able to handle their lust or their Mm -hmm. mental Mm -hmm. life when they are around someone they find incredibly attractive it's the exact same for men yeah that's what this research says
0: yeah now again we don't think that men and women experience it in the same way in this culture because mm-hmm. of how we have been taught in our culture yes but biologically we are both wired to be visually stimulated yeah
1: and biologically we both respond to visually stimuli the same way and so mm-hmm. all of these authors who have built books like this is what all the for women only books say mm-hmm. like all of all of shanti Feldman's research they go on and on and on about how men have this nucleus accumbens that just lights up like a christmas tree the minute they see an attractive women so do women yeah but women have been told you can't understand this because your husband's brain is different than yours you can't possibly understand this you 13 year old because that 67 year old in the pews behind you his brain is different than yours and his brain can't help but light up and Mm -hmm. yours doesn't Yes. And they actually say that in these books. Yeah.
0: They actually say that. But that's based on one study. This is based on 61. Even if it's based on a bunch of different studies. Yeah. This
1: meta-analysis and every single research study mm-hmm. that I've seen come out in the last couple of years yeah. has said this is not the case.
0: Yeah, as they're getting better and better at neuroimaging, I keep every week, I swear, every week I get, I get sent more studies by readers saying, hey, did you see this new research about visual stimulation in women? And this is becoming a really big area of research. And that's what they're mm-hmm. finding over and over and over So we need to change the way we talk about visual stimulation and really free young men from this idea that you are destined to lust, which brings us to our reader question. Are you ready? Sounds good. Okay. So a woman writes in, my husband has struggled with porn since he was a kid and we are trying to heal during recovery. My son is nine and he's coming close to the age that my husband was exposed to porn by his father's addiction and carelessness. I am repulsed still somehow as I grew up very conservative by the fact that men are sexually attracted to women, but I have always understood that it's one of the glues that bind a marriage together. I bought your whole story course and I still have yet to go through it with my son, but I am thinking about my reaction when I see my son fight his attraction to ladies. I'm afraid I'm going to just be so mad at his natural impulses because I may be bitter still at my husband's past sin and his potential to fall again into lusting for other women. I don't want to make my son distance himself emotionally from me because of how I handle his learning to be a man. So do you have any pointers to be prepared and not react, but be proactive in guiding our son's minds and souls? Wow. Yeah, that's a big one. So several things occurred to me here in this story. First of all, she grew up, you know, feeling ashamed of sexuality. She said that. Her husband was just victimized. I'm sorry, but when you see porn at the age of nine due to your father's carelessness, that actually is a form of child abuse. That's
1: horrible. When I was in psychology for my undergrad and we were talking about forms of child abuse, it's actually currently in many psychological uh, treatment centers. Um, Mm -hmm. Exposure to pornography, even accidental exposure, is actually treated as a childhood trauma now. Yes. It's a big
0: deal. Yeah. And so when you're nine and 10 and you see porn, think of how violent a lot of porn is. They can't handle this stuff. Okay. And yet all it, it does send all these messages in your brain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is a traumatic experience. It's so, incredibly confusing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we need to see that when a boy seeks out porn after he's been exposed to it at nine or 10, Yes, what he's doing is wrong, but it's not coming out of sin as much as it's coming out of trauma. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, and certainly a man has responsibility for that. But I think if we can understand the roots of it, it's easier to heal. So I really hope they're seeing a licensed therapist that's going to deal with the trauma. Yeah. But I as also well.
1: think I also think that she needs to be seeing a licensed therapist mm-hmm. to just understand that sexuality is not bad. Like, yeah. you want your son to. Enjoy the ladies. Like, (laughs) if you want to have grandkids someday, like, (laughs) let him enjoy his sexuality. I know that sounds so weird to say in a Christian setting, but enjoy your sexuality. Yeah. It was given to you. Yeah. You know? And enjoy it with wisdom and prudence Mm -hmm. and don't let, just caution to the wind, but you're allowed to enjoy the flutters of your first crush. And you're allowed to write love poems that you will burn someday, lest anyone ever find them. Yes. I speak from experience. You know, like, (laughs) these things are okay. And my concern whenever I hear this kind of thing is that, first of all, if you don't want to create the same holdups that you have in your kids, you need to be dealing with it before they get to that point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or else you need to be open and honest about it. Yeah. And Just talk. And so if they're still in porn recovery. I have a post on four stages of porn recovery, which I will share in the podcast description. It's a very comprehensive one. I think a lot of people go right from stage one to stage four and they miss stages two and three, which is what I'm afraid she's doing here. And you need to go through stages two and three and resort what sex means, what porn means, etc. I hope they're both seeing licensed counseling. As you go through the whole story, that course, it's a puberty course that we made. We have a boy's version and a girl's version and the girl's version, you and your sister. yeah on the videos talking to the girls in the boys version Sheldon Neal um, from Crossroads TV is talking to the boys along with your husbands yes and not my husband's right Katie and y- my... your plural Katie's and your yes, husband's the two of um, them <laughs> and and just talking about how you know having sexual feelings is natural they start the porn conversation for you if it's something that you find awkward yeah. and then you can continue that conversation but it
1: really is something where we we do tell kids like God made this part of you
0: yeah this is not mm-hmm. a
1: shameful thing and mm-hmm. it's not it's not shameful until you get married and then it's kind of okay. Yeah. It's honestly okay. Yeah. Yeah. A wet dream is a wet dream and you were made to have one. And it's okay if it happens. And it doesn't mean that you did anything wrong. No, <laughs> yeah. Spontaneous erections are going to happen. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person. That's just one of the awkward parts and of And they happen up. for no reason. Yep. Sometimes you can just be looking at a lamppost and all of a sudden there, there it, goes. it goes. You yeah. know? <laughs> and so, and we talk about it just very matter of fact.
0: And so that might help. So if you're struggling with how to talk about this stuff because you have your own issues, at least here is a resource that can open up those conversations for yeah. you. But I, we do recommend, yeah, seeing a licensed therapist for working through some of these issues, seeing sex. Sex is a positive thing which is really difficult when you're trying to recover from porn yep. and our book the great sex rescue goes into this in detail it does, yeah. <laughs> again it's not out yet until march but you can pre-order it now and we will also have a link to that in the podcast yeah description.
1: and for the woman especially in this situation i would actually advise her to read some stuff from healthy men who write about sex mm-hmm. you know like i mean i would even say send andrew bauman yeah stuff. andrew
0: bauman has some great, great stuff amazing. on porn recovery yeah
1: because i what it sounds like to me is that she She's so grossed out by men's sexual sin that she thinks that any attraction to women is gross. Yeah. And that's like problematic because you want to feel
0: attractive. Because attraction attraction and lusting are not the same thing. They're not the same thing. Not the same thing.
1: And she was equating them. Just the sexual attraction to women and lusting after women. uh, It's just not the same thing. And so I would advise both the husband and the wife in this situation to just check out Andrew's stuff Mm because he talks about it in such a great holistic way that...
0: Yeah, Um, may help. So there we go. We have covered a lot of ground in this in this week's podcast. And hopefully we have put this don't be a stumbling block message to rest once and for all. Yeah, I really hope next time you hear someone say that just push back. (laughs) And if we start pushing back, then maybe the conversation will change or go away. Please check out the post that goes along with this podcast. I'm gonna have so many links there to Andrew Bauman stuff, to all of the posts we've written on modesty. Don't inadvertently raise your sons to lust, the whole story, all kinds of things where you can pre-order The Great Sex Rescue. Um, So check that out. Check out the blog at tolovehonorandvacuum.com where we're gonna finish our emotional maturity series and get into some Christmas stuff. And thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. And you know what? On a personal note, if you can start leaving comments on the blog, it would just help me. I know it's just been a quiet time. Apparently my readership has just been as high as normal, but people have not been commenting as much and I just miss y'all. So leave me a comment on today's <laughs> podcast post or tomorrow's post or whenever and just say, hey, I'm tracking with you. Yeah, because I like that. So thank you for joining us. I will see you at tolovehonorandvacuum.com and we will see you again next week for the next to Love, Honor, and Vacuum podcast.